Welcome back to the Wrong Opinion, Useless NBA Trivia and Garbage Rankings. As always, make sure you check out our trailer for Season 1. If this is your first time, we're going to hop right in it. Talking about the Phoenix Suns. The Suns began as a franchise in 1968. They won 16 games, but the second year, 39 wins in the playoffs. It's pretty impressive. The next two seasons, 48 wins, 49 wins, somehow didn't make the playoffs in either of those years. That's kind of crazy. There were 17 teams in the NBA back then and only eight playoff spots to fight for. They were in the Western Conference, of course. Nine-team conference, only four spots. So 49 wins back then didn't guarantee you a playoff position. And then 1976, 42 wins, made the playoffs. And their second playoff appearance made the NBA Finals. Behind the might of Paul Westfall, who used to be with the Celtics, he was straight over the Suns, became a star. Uh, they lost to the Celtics in the 67 Finals. The very next year, 34 wins and out. And then a nice stretch with guys like Westfall, with Alvin Adams, with Larry Nance eventually. Uh, Dennis Johnson came in there for a few years for a couple really good seasons. And of course, Walter Davis made one conference finals in 84 and then back to back in 89 and 90 with Kevin Johnson, such an underrated player. Athletic could get to the rim at will would really, he would average 30 and eight in today's game. He fell apart in big moments, famously in the 93 finals. And then he also fell apart physically and had a shortened career. Uh, but that finals came in 93 when they traded for Charles Barkley the best player at that point to have ever come through Phoenix. He won MVP. He gave his team nine wins and took him to the finals. I don't know that that validates an MVP, but people were sick of voting for Michael Jordan. And then they made the playoffs every single year with a lot of different teams until 2001. They got they had guys like uh, Chuck and KJ, and then eventually Jason Kidd. Sean Marion came into the picture as a bona fide star. Uh, Kidd was eventually traded to the Nets for Stephon Marbury and other pieces. Now, Starbury and Marion were a nice tandem, but eventually Amari Stoudemire came into the picture. But it really floundered in 04. Marbury was traded halfway through the season to New York. They were left without a point general. Marion, just not good enough to carry his own team. Stoudemire was too young. But then next year, they were blessed by the Mavericks letting Steve Nash go. They overreacted to Mike Bibby destroying him in the playoffs the year before. And that was really probably their last great decision. Now that year they went from 29 to 62 wins. If you get one player and he takes your team from 29 to 62 wins, he deserves MVP. Sorry Shaq. They made the Western Conference Finals in two straight years, the same two years that Steve Nash won MVP. And they were the one of the great teams for a four year span there. Fast pace, shot a lot of threes, seven seconds or less. But they made a couple really bad decisions. Before the 2005 season, they signed Quentin Richardson instead of drafting either Luol Deng or Andre Iguodala, who would have fit that position really well, can run, they can both shoot, not as well as Quentin Richardson, but still, he would cost, they would cost so much less. And then eventually, that money burned them when they couldn't pay Joe Johnson, so he ended up having to leave. So instead of having Steve Nash, Joe Johnson, Deng or Iggy, Marion and Stoudemire, they were left trying to fill in that last, those last couple pieces. Raja Bell was a great defensive player, not good enough offensively to carry them. And then in 2009, the worst decision yet, they signed Shaq. They traded for Shaq in a huge deal that was supposed to make them compete because this was still the mentality that you needed a big man to win. Now, Mike D'Antoni was the mind behind the seven seconds or left, seven seconds or less. He was gone after 08. Shaq came in, they clashed. 
Not surprisingly, they missed the playoffs. Now, they were one of the worst teams in the NBA from that period on. Had a couple moments of greatness in 2014 and 15. Uh, 48 wins, 39 wins. They just couldn't figure out a point guard. They kept changing their mind between Brandon Knight, Goran Dragic, Eric Bledsoe, Isaiah Thomas. It was really weird for a couple years there. And then Devin Booker came onto the scene, and he's just not quite good enough to guarantee your team wins. He won 24 games, 21 games, 19 games, 34 games, but they got a bona fide winner in 2020 with Chris Paul. In his first season there, Chris Paul led him to the NBA Finals. His first finals as a player, they lost after after having a 2-0 lead, kind of devastating. After a really good 2022 that was met with another playoff disappointment in the second round, they end up going all in on Kevin Durant this season. So if they win the title, they're going to hop up a few spots. They're going to hop up a lot of spots. But now, with two fi three finals appearances, no titles, a lot of... Western Conference Finals, to be fair. They're stuck near the top of this terrible group. The best teams to have never won the NBA Finals. In their franchise, the Suns, despite not having a single title, they rank sixth in all-time winning percentage. Number one, Spurs. Two, Celtics. Three, Lakers. Four, Jazz. Five, Suns. But they just have not had that one team to get over the hump. And I said at the beginning, if, if a team won a title, it's had a more successful franchise. A team with zero titles is not more successful than a team that even has one. Looking at you, Raptors, they have a 54% winning percentage in 55 seasons. They made the playoffs 32 times, but never that one perfect season. But let's get to the rankings. First team, point guard. Uh, this one's obvious, so don't have to get into it too much. Steve Nash, if he was playing today, he'd be shooting way more. The most three-pointers he ever shot per game in a season, 4.7 in 2008 shot 47% from the three that year only averaged 17 points per game if you were playing today he'd be taking 11 threes averaging 32 points and 11 assists you can jot that down he led the league in assists five total times the only guy to shoot 50 45 50 40 90 more than three times he did in 06 he did in oh he did it in 08 and in 2009 and 10 absolutely unbelievable would have had one more year, but he shot 89.9%. Whatever. Uh, top five in assists up there in three-pointers, despite not shooting enough. He played there eight years in his main run, but of course he came into the league drafted by the Suns. Played two early years there as a bench warmer. First team shooting guard, a little less obvious. There are three guys you could say is the best shooting guard in Suns history. Uh, I'm going a little bit of stats, a little bit of success. I'm going with Walter Davis. He made the playoffs seven times with Phoenix in his 11 seasons there. Just the longevity, I think, puts him over the top of the other two guys. His rookie season put up 24.2 points per game on 53% shooting as a rookie. Now, he dealt with some personal issues I'm not going to go too much into, uh, but it didn't really hamper his career. Still played a long time. Was still putting up numbers until he was 33 years old. Now he leads the Suns all time in total points with 15,666. Well-rounded player, number four in assists, number three in steals. He's on the 84 Western Conference Finals team. And in those playoffs, averaging 25 points a game as a 29-year-old. Walter Davis, give it up to you. First team, small forward. This one is Sean Marion, the Matrix. 
Now, when he was playing, you never really thought of him as such. But looking back, he's a Hall of Famer. He's got to be a Hall of Famer. Four All-Star games, one of which came before Nash. So he's a good player before Nash. In 2003, with Stephon Marbury, he's a point guard. Good player. Not Steve Nash. Average 20, 21 points, almost 10 rebounds, 45% shooting. He had the ugliest three-point shot I have ever seen. Somehow he made 33% for his career. Probably took more than he needed to if he was on those teams. Just take three of his three-pointers a game and give them to Nash. Uh, I feel like that works out. But unbelievable rebounder, a small forward, six foot seven, four times, average above 10 rebounds a game. Peaked at 11.8 in 2006. That's unbelievable. A couple All-NBAs in there. Uh, third team in both 05 and 06. Now that happens when you're on good teams. Voters a little more friendly to you. But tremendous defensive player, serviceable offensive player, can get buckets when he needed to. A great third banana. I'll say this a couple times, but that team deserved at least. I, they're over under on titles from 2005 to 2010. I'd say it's 1.5, but just those three terrible decisions I mentioned earlier, it, it, it cost them. Plus a little bit of bad luck. Joe Johnson got hurt in 05. 2007, Ori hip checked Steve Nash and the bench clear, and they were all suspended the next couple games. 2010, Jason Richardson missed a box out on Ron Artest, but they deserved a title. Steve Nash, Charles Barkley, both winning players who happen to not win a title. And first team power forward, speaking of him, Charles Barkley. We did this with Daryl Dawkins and doing it with Charles Barkley. Let's go through his nicknames. Charles Wade Barkley, Sir Charles, the round mount of rebound, the Chuckster, the Chuck Wagon, the Prince of Pizza, the Incredible Bulk, the Leaning Tower of Pizza, Bread Truck, Boyd Gorge. <laughs> Boyd Gorge. It's not great. Love Boat, Food World, the Crisco Kid, Wide Load from Leeds, Ton of Fun and Good Time, Blimp. He was six foot six. I think that's a stretch. 250. There's a lot of jokes about his weight, but he was strong. He was athletic. He was terrifying on the fast break. Six straight years. We're not talking about his Philly time. He definitely peaked with Philly, but his single best season was in 93 in that MVP year. Obviously, his farthest run in the playoffs, 24 games all the way to the NBA Finals. In that playoff run, he averaged 26.6 points, 13.6 rebounds. He always shot really high from the field, pretty low from three-point. In fact, uh, he led the league five times while with Philly in two-point percentage, uh, but his three-point numbers have really dragged it down. Still for his career, 54% shooter. Only spent four years in Phoenix, but in that time, 23.3 points, 11.6 rebounds, 3.7 assists, couple steals, a block a game. He doesn't rank in total points. He's seventh in total rebounds. But again, only four years. But that was the Suns' best season, I would argue. Chris Paul won 64 games in 2022. Nash won 62 in 05. Chuck led the Suns to 62 wins in 93. And that was the only one of those three teams that went to the finals. So I give that to the best season. Now, there's a lot of really good power forwards from the Suns. So it kind of sucks that he's bumping a couple of guys that, you know, played a little bit longer, were also successful. But he's a top 20 player who spent four years of his prime with this team and led them to one of their couple finals and really probably their best shot at winning. So it's Charles Barkley. First team center, maybe a little bit less controversial, Alvin Adams, the Oklahoma kid. He was the 1976 Rookie of the Year. That was his only All-Star game was as a rookie, but he had a really nice career too. You see that a couple times where people's best here, like Wes Unseld, his first season he won MVP. He was never All-NBA again. But Alvin Adams had a really nice career. 
As a rookie, 19 points, 5.6 assists, 9.1 rebounds. Kind of ugly shooting numbers early in his career. Kind of righted it up to about 50% for his career. Uh, 14 points, 7 rebounds a game. Just solid, solid player who has all of the main records. Most games, most minutes. Number two in points, most rebounds. And he was on a couple really good teams. He was on that 76 finals team. He was on the 84 Western Conference finals team. He's on that 79 Western Conference Finals team. He's on that 84 Western Conference Finals team. So it's pretty easily him. This is noteworthy. In his second season, he had a triple-double with 47 points, 18 rebounds, 12 assists. Now, there's only five players in NBA history who hit those numbers. Uh, that's 46 points at least, 16 rebounds at least, and a triple-double. So Elgin Baylor, Wilt, Russell Westbrook, Alvin Adams, and Vince Carter. So that's your first team, Steve Nash, Walter Davis, Sean Marion, Charles Barkley, and Alvin Adams. Second team, this one, just like uh, power forward, point guard and power forward, these are a couple tough decisions. My second team point guard, I'm going Kevin Johnson. I talked about him a lot up top, but incredibly athletic point guard, only six foot one, could get to the rim at ease, dunk over guys. He had one highlight, dunking over Hakeem Olajuwon became his, like, his main highlight, and that was in back-to-back 38-point, 12-assist games. Just an absolute baller. Now, his career is remembered poorly for a couple reasons. First off, some of them are a little bit unfair. First off, he played poorly in the finals. Uh, he did do that, the 93 finals. By the way, on that 93 team, he only played 49 games. Not awesome. But in the first two games of the finals, he combined for 15 points on less than 30% shooting. Average four assists a game those first couple games. And now he, he got better as the series went on, but you drop the first two, you're pretty much toast. For his career with Phoenix, 18.7 points, 9.5 assists. He averaged a 20 and 10 three consecutive years. In the fourth, he was 19.7 and 10. Just way before his time, both in the style of play and the fact that his career ended basically at 31. If came along 15 years later, they'd have modern medicine that would have extended his career until his, you know, mid-30s at the very least. Uh, second team, shooting guard. Once again, shooting guard, you can really flip all three of these guys, and it, it's hard to argue against it. I'm going Devin Booker. Early in his career, he was all stats, no substance, didn't win you a lot of games, didn't make the playoffs until Chris Paul came along. But he's just a great wingman. He's a great number two. He's not going to lead your team, but he is going to elevate them. For his career, 23.9 points per game. That's top 25 in NBA history. He just a guaranteed 26 and 5 every single game. Hit you a couple threes. Not a stellar three-point shooter, but hits them at 35%, taking six a game. That's one of the scariest parts of the Suns right now, too, is they have three coolers. Like, who are you gonna foul in the, in the last minute? Chris Ball, Kevin Durant. Devin Booker, only one All-NBA in 2022, first team All-NBA, and in Suns history, he already ranks fourth in points, gonna pass that in a couple years, only 3,000 short there. He's already first in three-point field goals, just past Steve Nash uh, this past year, 1,089 threes in his career. Uh, second team, small forward. While their point guard and power forward positions are stacked, the Phoenix Suns are lacking in small forwards. I'm going with Connie Hawkins. He's known mostly as an ABA legend, led the league in points per game as a rookie when he was playing with, 
who is PTP. I don't even know what that means. Pittsburgh Pipers. It's an ABA team, apparently. He jumped to the NBA in uh, 1969, came to the Phoenix Suns, played there for uh, four and a half years, almost five years. Averaged 20.5 points per game in those years. Now, that's not bad. Now, this, once again, was in their terrible stretch. He made one playoffs, played seven games, but put up numbers, 25 points, 14 rebounds in those seven games. In his NBA playoff career, he only played 12 games, so really small sample size. Averaged 11.4 rebounds per game. In his regular season career, that number is eight. Now, that's odd. But he was actually, despite being only six foot eight, played at center while in the, while in the ABA. Uh, but the NBA was much bigger, tougher, he ended up being a small forward for the rest of his career. Not even a power forward. So a couple of nice seasons, not super long. Fortunately, died a couple years ago. RIP Connie Hawkins. Second team power forward. Some people might have argued that he should have been first team. Uh, I would disagree. Amari Stoudemire. Stat. Had mesmerizing dunks. Great shot blocker. Not an awesome defender. Didn't, didn't rebound as much as you wanted to, but is okay because he had Sean Marion beside him. Uh, he's playing at center when he really could have been a power forward. Um, but again, with a guy who played big like Sean Marion, it was good to play small. Most of his career was played at center while he was with the Suns. And then when he played power forward with Shaq, it went poorly. His best statistical season was probably 05, his third season. Uh, he, run, he won Rookie of the Year a couple years before with nice numbers. But in 05, 26 points per game, 9 rebounds per game on 56% shooting. That was his breakout year. And then in the playoffs, almost 30 points per game, 11 rebounds per game for conference finals team. Now he's He really benefited from Steve Nash. You can see it in the stats. Uh, on top of going up six points per game between his second and third season when Steve Nash was not there until he was. Uh, he went up six points per game, but also went up almost eight and a half percent from the field. Shot eight and a half percent better from the field. He only took one more shot per game, but averaged six more points. After 2010, I think he knew it was over with Nash and that team. They made the conference finals, got bounced by the eventual champion Lakers because of Jason Richardson's mixed box out. Uh, he jumped to New York to get paid. It looked really good for half a season. He looked like an MVP. And then Melo came and ruined everything. Um, the next season, he started to break down, and he was done by 30. It's really unfortunate. He's going to be a Hall of Famer, though. In his son's career, he ranks seventh all-time in their points third in total rebounds kind of a tragic figure of the 2010s he deserved a title he deserved to play past 30 fortunately bodies break down and th second team center a lot of really weak centers so i'm stretching here and i hate this pick it's got to be deandre ayton though right only played five seasons so far uh, in that time 17 points 10 rebounds uh shoots almost 60 percent from the field just like steve nash made amari's percentages go way up look at the difference between Aiden's uh, 2020 season when he had no point guard in 2021. Uh, he had 18 points per game before Chris Paul dropped down to 14. That's fine because his percentages went from 54% to 62%. Great point guards are great equalizers. He's a really good rebounder. Gets blocks, I guess, less than you want, less than one a game. Not great for a guy whose only job is to be big because he's not a smart defender. He's not a smart offensive player. All he is is a big body. In this era of the NBA, those pick-and-roll pogo stick guys are really, really valuable, and he is that. But he makes some of the dumbest decisions you'll see on court. It's sometimes it's, It can be hard to watch sometimes. But he was the third best player on a team that almost won the finals. In that finals run, he averaged 16 points, 12 rebounds on 66% shooting. A couple huge games in that playoff run too. Game 5 against the Clippers, 
in the Western Conference Finals. Put up 19 points, 22 rebounds, four blocks. Monster game. First game against Milwaukee, their first win against Milwaukee. They won by 13, 22 points, 19 rebounds, 80% shooting. And I don't think you can blame him for the Finals loss, but he didn't really have a big game for the rest of the series. So that's our second team, Kevin Johnson, Devin Booker, Connie Hawkins, Amari Sotomayor, DeAndre Ayton. Third team, I had a lot of trouble with the point guard. Uh, you had one guy who was there at his prime, but didn't do much. And one guy who's there a little past his prime and looked really good for a little bit. Call me biased, I'm going Chris Paul. He's been there three years so far, probably gonna be one more. 2021 took him to the finals, 2022 first seed, 64 wins, led the league in assists with 10.8. Now, last year, LeBron was looking like he might win the scoring title, which he hadn't done since 2008. So that would have been 15 years between scoring titles. And everybody was like, oh wow, that's impressive. Chris Paul did the same thing. His first assist title came in 2008 with the Hornets, and his latest assist title came in 2022. Averaged 10.8 assists per game as a 36-year-old, also putting up 15 points on 50% shooting. Now, it's not as impressive as LeBron because he did it three times in between. Come on. His stats don't really compete with what they look like while with the Clippers or Hornets, but really, they're still better than Jason Kidd's. And unlike Jason Kidd, he can make it past the first round. Even last year, we're going to call it disappointing because he uh, because they lost to the, the Mavericks. The Mavericks were a decent team last year, and it's an embarrassing loss. It shouldn't have happened, but it's better than losing the first round consistently like Jason Kidd did while with the Suns. So I'm going Chris Paul and I don't feel too bad about it. Third team shooting guard. He could have been first team. He could have been second team. Paul Westfall, a nice six man with Boston when they won a title in 74. And then on a really good 73 season, that really should have won the title. He got traded to Phoenix in 75, immediately an impact player, 20 points, five assists per game. And in that first season, took him to their first finals. A young team, less than 10 years old, took him to the finals. It's one of the all-time great finals but people just forget about it. Incredibly dramatic, you had the uh, JoJo White heroics, and Paul Westfall was was their engine, their best player. Started making all-star games that next season, five straight. In his first six-year run with Phoenix, averaged 22 and a half points, five assists, a couple steals, shooting 52% from the field. Uh, he had one more season in 84 that kind of brought down those averages after stops in Seattle and New York. Uh, then as an old man, averaged seven points per game, but a Hall of Famer, he could do everything on the court that you wanted to. Not the best defender, not really athletic enough, but he was pesky and he tried. A really fun highlight guy. Not a lot of great highlights from the 70s. Really fun highlight guy on a couple of really good teams. Right now he's ninth in total points for uh, for the Suns, just shy of 10,000. He's also eighth in assists, third team small forward. I told you, small forward gets a little bare. I'm going Michael Bridges. Fourth best player on a finals team, has not missed a game in his NBA career. 82 games played, 73, 72, both COVID years. 82, 83, the new Iron Man. Now he's proving in Brooklyn that he can score points. His average jumped up from 17 per game with Phoenix this year before he got traded to 26 per game when he got uh, after the trade. He's hitting threes, he's driving. I'm watching him right now play Philly and he's a scary offensive player. And you wouldn't have thought that a couple years ago, but what he was was an incredible defensive player, second in second in defensive player of the year voting last season, while also averaging 14 points on 53% shooting. He can fit into any system. He's a great glue guy, really good player. He's a winning player. 
No, I think he can be the fourth best guy on a championship team. And you could argue he's better than Aiden. You could argue he's more valuable than DeAndre Aiden, despite Aiden's size and presence. Really good three-point shooter, too. Uh, I said he started shooting more with the Nets, but even before that, he was shooting 52% uh, in 2021 for his career, making one and a half a game on four attempts. Really, he would have been the perfect fit for those mid-2000s Steve Nash Sons, they were always looking for the right small forward. He would have been that right small forward. I digress. Uh, 13 power forward, Tom Chambers. Now you forget that those 89 and 90 teams made the conference finals, and he was the best player in those teams throughout those playoffs. In the 89 playoffs, averaged 26 points, 11 rebounds. He's a high-flying dunker, absolute highlight guy, and he kind of fits the mold of all stats, no substance because he didn't really win anything, but he was the best player on two finals teams. He was a role player on the 93 team, a six man behind Charles Barkley, averaging uh, 12 points a game, 24 minutes. In 1990, he averaged 27.2 points. That's the most in Suns history. And I can't think of a good reason why he's not currently in the Hall of Fame. Now, I'm, I'm always against all stats, no substance, the Sharif Abdurrahim All-Stars, but he was a winning player, so I don't get it. And third team center, uh, this is the best pick, and it's not a great one. It's Mark West. Played there eight seasons. That's nice. Uh, over 10 points a game once. His best season was in that fun 1990 season where they went to the conference finals. Uh, 10 points a game, nine rebounds, 62% shooting, 65% next year. He was a starter on two teams that lost in the Western Conference Finals and a starter on one team that lost in the NBA Finals. Uh, that's not bad. I'll take it my third best center in league in a uh, franchise history it's not the worst thing in the world so our third team chris paul paul westfall mikhail bridges tom chambers and mark west uh hardest cuts uh dick bane arsdale dan marley jeff hornacek especially marley i think he's easily the number one out of there uh they're just tough positions marley was way ahead of his time great three-point shooter of the 90s in Arsdale back in the 70s and Hornacek before his time with uh, Utah. He was a really, really good player. Uh, All-star, 20-point-per-game scorer. Uh, but they're in the toughest position. There's no way that they're going to pass either of those three. Walter Davis, Devin Booker, Paul Westfall. Just wasn't going to happen. Uh, Jason Kidd, Dennis Johnson. Uh, Dennis Johnson, first-team All-NBA. Jason Kidd, led the, also first-team All-NBA, led the league and assists a couple times while with the Suns. The difference is KJ and Chris Paul took their teams to finals. Jason Kidd and Dennis Johnson did not. Jason Kidd had four first-round exits and one second-round exit. Uh, not great. A couple pretty good teams, though. 50-plus wins. Uh, but not a conference finalist. Uh, Starbury, I want to mention him, but there's, he was not going to be on this list. He's probably their number six guy. Teams are better when he was gone. Fun highlight guy. Fun nickname. Now. Uh, Larry Nance could have been in the Tom Chambers spot, but Tom Chambers replaced him, and they immediately got better. So, I don't know about that. Uh, Charlie Scott, huge numbers, no playoffs. What are you going to do? That's the list, though. If you guys hate my wrong opinions, tweet me at jclark underscore three, hashtag wrong opinion. We will be back next week with our final team that has yet to win an NBA title. You can probably guess who that is. Only two finals appearances, zero wins, but they are fourth all-time in winning percentage. Peace out.